Hey everyone, it's Pastor Matt. Grab a beer, open the Bible, and ask some questions. This is Beers and Bibles. Episode 9, New Holland Brewing Companies, Dragon's Milk, and John Chapter 9. I gotta say, one of my favorite memories from living in Grand Rapids on the west side of Michigan is being kind of in beer country. And when my uh, family came out to visit one time, we went on a brewery tour, hit a bunch of breweries, and we went to uh, New Holland. We went over to Holland, stopped by R Brewing, uh, came to the to the to the mainstays there, and uh, you know have a wonderful memory of seeing all the tulips in the city of Holland. But then stopping in at New Holland Brewing and getting a boot of beer. Now I would not get a boot of Dragon's Milk because it is a sit you down beer. I pour Dragon's Milk in my snifter glass. I let it sit out and warm a little bit because it was in the fridge. This is an 11% bourbon barrel-aged stout. One of the first bourbon barrel-aged stouts to, to hit the market many years ago and really, I think, set off uh, you know one of those mini crazes as a lot of people uh, sought to experiment and to do uh, what New Holland had done. Uh, New Holland describes uh, the Dragon's Milk Stout as uh, a roasty malt character intermingled with deep vanilla tones, all dancing in an oak bath. Uh, they, they say this legendary beer's name was born from a story told in medieval times. The knight's reward for slaying a dragon was a treasured milk of the dragon. Today, Dragon's Milk is an English term used to describe the finest liquid in the house. We believe the liquid we were crafting would be the best in our house, a true legend, hence the name. And so we're jumping in today to this this high 11% ABV, and uh, I, I got to say, it's, it, it's kind of a defining beer in the category for me. I think every other bourbon barrel-aged stout that I try always gets compared back to Dragon's Milk. Um, it, you know, it's not necessarily one of the favorite beers, that I have, and it's it's definitely not an all-time, everyday drinker, but definitely something to savor and something to celebrate with, and definitely something that'll sit you down. So we're jumping into John chapter 9 today, and we're going to be celebrating, because Jesus does some some pretty amazing work, pretty amazing miracles in John chapter 9. Verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this, I think, is a false understanding of sin and the results of sin. Obviously, because sin has entered the world, because our world to its very foundational core is broken, we have sickness, we have disease, things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. But the disciples are asking a question, who is being punished? for their sinfulness, that this man is blind. And, and Jesus answers correctly, obviously, because he says it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says, you know, sometimes there is bad things happening in the world, and the only reason those bad things are happening is so that someone can do good in the midst and here, Jesus is the one who does that. He also invites us to be his hands and feet in the world around us. So when we see brokenness, when we see sadness, he invites us to be the one who works in there. Verse 4, 
we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Wow. Verse 8, the people are just as amazed. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man that used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, "Mm, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Like this guy has not seen anything his whole life. Jesus opens his eyes by anointing them with spit and dirt. And he tells everyone that will listen. He says, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the one. And so verse 10, they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. And so they brought the Pharisees to the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So on the Sabbath day, the the Pharisees are very, very strict. They don't want you doing anything. You're not even allowed to spit on the ground because your spit is plowing the earth. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they're fighting. They're arguing. Who is Jesus? Is he he who he says he is? Is he someone else? And they have great disagreement about this prospect. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then now does he see? Like, this is such an astonishing thing for the Pharisees to learn about. They call in the guy's parents like he's a millennial to testify somehow that that these things are true. And his parents in verse 20 answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Now, John gives us a kind of parenthetical statement here. And he says, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And so it's, it's interesting to me that even there, even after having their son um, given sight for the first time in his entire life, they're afraid for their status and their position, and they, they decline truly to answer the question that was asked of them. So verse 24, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, referring to Jesus there. They know Jesus is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, 
Now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he, how did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've already told you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Boom. Like, I, I love I love that he throws this in their face. You know, why are you guys asking so many questions about Jesus? You know, do you want to be his disciples? Do you want to follow him? Uh, they did not like that answer. Uh, verse 28, they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from, which is also interesting to me because Jesus gets criticized at other places and other times as being uh, from Nazareth. You know, can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, and later, the, the guy who said that would be his disciple. So, you know, we don't know where he comes from, but you kind of do. You kind of know. And so you're, you're fearful, um, but they're, they're just kind of, they're, they're trying to taunt the man. And the man answered in verse 30, why this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I mean, the, the man who is healed is testifying greatly here to the miracles of Jesus as the genesis, as the reason why he's from God. And the, the Pharisees aren't having any of it. In verse 34, they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us and they cast him out. And so the, the Pharisees are doing the same thing that the disciples did at the beginning of the passage. Who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? And the, the Pharisees do the, the same thing. They say, you were born in sin. You're blind. So you're not going to teach us. And verse 35, uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of man? The blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. Now. Jesus had healed this man from being born blind. At the same time, the man had no idea that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Son of Man, a prophetic uh, name for the Savior Messiah. And the blind man responds to Jesus, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And so Jesus repeatedly through the text, I think, has compassion on those who seek compassion. And Jesus kind of has um, harsh words for those who think they're okay for the Pharisees and for the teachers of the law who think they're, they're in a, a good position. Um, so that, that takes us to the end of chapter 9. Again, thanks for listening. I want to say if you've got any questions about what we're reading or if you'd like to see us um, study a particular book, go ahead and send an email to Pastor Matt at HolyCrossOxford.com. You can also text 248-274-4676. 
in terms of the beer today, I, I've got to say this is a this is a delicious beer. Um, it is a slow drinker, so I I, I normally I'll, I'll get through maybe like half a glass while I'm recording uh, beers and Bibles today. I took maybe three or four sips as we were recording because Dragon's Milk is a mighty strong beer. I mean, just putting it up to your uh, to your face, the rich smell, you can tell what's going on. The the roasty malt character that they talk about in the description, the vanilla uh, that's coming through, and you can definitely tell this is a a little bit of a boozy beer. So drink this one in particular safely. And uh, and and don't over imbibe. I give this a four point two five out of five. It's definitely the highest rated bourbon barrel aged beer in my Untapped. If you've got any questions or you'd like to see us drink something, let me know. Pastor Matt at HolyCrossOxford dot com two four eight two seven four four six seven six. Thanks for listening. This is Beers and Bibles. No beer or Bible experience necessary. You're invited to follow Jesus, learn, and grow.